Hello and welcome to Riverside Church. This week's 9.15 sermon is read by Keith Unwin and it's entitled Jonah, Doing God's Will. Thank you much, Helen. Well, it's a, it's a privilege to be here. It always is and I don't take it for granted. I just wondered if we would thank Phil and Helen. Uh, they've had the vision to get this off the ground and they're here every week doing what they're doing and ably supported by Archie and Joyce. So I wonder if we could just thank them, please. with a uh, Thank you. Um, I've got the task of doing Jonah today. It's a bit of a difficult uh, story to swallow, to be honest, but... Um, <laughs> But it's a great favourite for Sunday school. I just love that, and it just reminds me of the sort of these planograph type things. You remember, if you, many of you, with respect to my sort of age, not one or two older than me, I can see that, but my glasses aren't as good as they were. So, but anyway, I want to get my wife to come and um, read the story. I like the public reading of the scriptures. Always believe it to be the right thing to do. So, it's Jonah chapter one. <coughs> The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone down below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he'll take notice of us so we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us who's responsible for making all this trouble for us. What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What's your country? From what people are you? He answered, I'm a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them and they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he'd already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? <coughs> Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it's my fault that this great storm has come upon you. <coughs> Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. 
Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Thanks, Sarah. And um, here we're being recorded today, so for the benefit of the uh, podcast, the title is Jonah doing the will of God, and there's a question mark doing the will of God and uh, I'm doing Jonah part one and Phil next week Jonah part two so I've got to be very careful not to run ahead of the story it's a great story the problem is often with great stories and familiar stories is finding something different to say about it but I'll do my best um, I like David Pawson's writing particularly commentaries of the Bible and he said the Assyrians which is modern day Iraq and Nineveh which is sort of in the middle of Iraq it's a capital of Syria in those days was one of the most barbaric and brutal races of people ever to live. And I wouldn't even spoil your Sunday dinner by, you know, trying to explain or tell you what they did to people, but it wasn't nice, but I won't go there. Okay? But the first point I have, I like my points, as you know, I was brought up with, you know, three C's or four P's or whatever, is uh, God calls Jonah. This story, as I read it this time, you know, you sort of read it with different sort of glasses on and it's really about God and the character of God as much as it is about the character of Jonah okay it's a very powerful story as I've said but you know Jonah's a prophet and he was actually came from somewhere near Nazareth where Jesus lived in the, in the year 770 BC. So Jesus would have heard of him he was a, a prophet that people knew he was a powerful prophet and God calls Jonah to go to Nineveh. We, we all know that. And tell them to repent. Now, if it was me, and you've heard the reputation of the Assyrians, you can't blame Jonah in one sense for saying that. I think it's Helen this morning, you know, for saying, well, you know, Lord, can you send someone else? Is there someone else in mind? Okay, it's like when Isaiah got the call, you know, who shall I send? Well, there was only Isaiah there. Only Isaiah. It wasn't nobody else was there, you know. Oh, I think it's me kind of thing. And I think Jonah sort of got a bit scared. You could understand it. So he, he goes off. Um, he goes to a place called Joppa. Now, funnily enough, I'm um, 66 years old. I went to Joppa last year for the first time because uh, for various reasons, myself and my wife ended up in Tel Aviv three days before the Israel trip started. It's a very beautiful place, and it's very ancient, a port. And I was, you know, I was looking out on the sea, and we talked, didn't we, about Tarshish and Joppa and Jonah, and just thinking, you know, out in that sea, on that rough ways with those sailors wow you know and so many people over many years have said well it was only a parable it didn't happen and, but even Jesus himself refers to Jonah and the whale etc so I believe it did happen Jonah disobeys God he goes to Joppa he gets on a boat he's running away from God he moves out of the will of God. There's a will of God for all of us, a will of God for our lives. Jonah, there's a will of God for him too. He runs away or he tries to run away from God. 
He moved out of the will of God. Um, being out of the will of God is not a good place. And maybe it's not right for me to t- tell my testimony, but for some three years or so, I was away from God, a backslidden Christian, completely away from God. It's a dangerous place to be. I wouldn't want that again. And so I'm glad that we're all we're here. We're hopefully in the will of God, doing the purposes of God today. And I was thinking of Psalm 139, verses 7 to 9. I like to write it out myself rather than try and find it in the Bible. And here it is. Where can I go from your spirit? This is David. Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, as what Joseph, Jonah did, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Jonah is finding God is omnipresent. God is everywhere. And I suppose in my backslidden years at Chester Teacher Training College, I found that because I found God in Chester. If you know David Barrett, he was the one who led me back to God. My lecturer at Chester College is now part of Riverside, as you know. It has been for 20 years, but it's amazing, you know, to come back and find David Barrett here, the man who led me to God and um, prayed for me to get baptized in the Spirit. You know, God's got an amazing way (laughs) of bringing back to people to the will of God and the purposes of God. And I do to this day i'm so grateful to god i'm also grateful to david as well number two god pursues jonah there's a battle between god and jonah and there's only one winner you know when i was battling god in the end in my sort of you know subconscious mind i know that in the end god's going to win you know i was brought up in sunday school and covenanters and youth group and all those kind of things and there is only one winner if we have a fight with god God's going to win, okay? So might as well do what God asks us to do rather than argue with him, okay? I'm being very honest with you, okay? So then Jonah goes on a boat, and I just looked at that harbour, beautiful place, harbour, you know, there he goes on a boat. He's out on the sea, and it's not going well. And he realises, what can I do? Where can I hide? And he goes in the bottom and down in the depths, very symbolic here of the boat. He's down in the depths, isn't he? and he goes to sleep and it's an awful story and if you think of the the sailors you know that they are the ones that really bring him back these are non-christian you know non-godly people you know and they say come on Jonah you've got to get back to God and God uh, intensifies the storm Um, God is not only omnipresent is omnipotent he's all-powerful wow these big words today okay you can tell i'm doing an ma at matthew college so um i've swallowed the the dictionary the theological dictionary there okay number three god is in control god has plan a and if plan a fails god's got plan b you know it's quite amazing really he's in control and i can as i've said tell you from bitter Blessed, bitter, I don't know. Hindsight's a wonderful thing. But experience that um, God's going to win the battle. And we need to be obedient. I can remember somebody saying to me during that time, Keith, you might as well be sitting in a witch's coven. Rebellion is just the same. You need to get yourself sorted with God. And actually, I did, eventually. Not a good place. Number four. 
God is love. And I can stand here and speak from experience this morning that our God is a loving God, a merciful God, a kind God. He loved the people of Nineveh. God loves Jonah. God loves each one of us. And he has the perfect will for our lives. And I stand in all humility and say, that is true. That is completely true. Psalm 145, verses 8 to 9 says, The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. That's sing the um, uh, Matt Redmond song at the beginning. You know, you know, gracious, kind, loving, forgiving, all those kind of things. I love that song. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. He's a compassionate God. So God provides a way of escape for Jonah, and Phil's going to be telling that a little bit. I'll be careful not to tread on Phil's toes, but there is a way of escape, okay? So he loves the people of Jonah. Jonah doesn't. God has a perfect will of God. Jonah rejects that perfect will. God wants to give the Ninevites a second chance. I think that's how you pronounce it. Jonah doesn't want God to save the Ninevites because they're horrible, they're evil, they're wicked. Why should I go and, you know, prophesy to them and tell them to repent? Then you'll let them off. Well, I think they deserve to die. And in the end, what Jonah was doing was putting himself in the place of God. He knew better than God. He was going to do it differently. You know, yes, they deserve to die, the Ninevites, but, you know, that's grace. And grace is something that's quite hard to get my head round. You know, and it's so easy. I, I brought up very, very judgmental, you know, self-righteous. I mean, I'm the only Christian in my family. And I had a big Bible and a, you know, smart suit. And it wound them up. It made them feel guilty. And not surprised because they were smoking, drinking. And my da- longest walk my dad did was to the betting shop. That's the only, only time he ever went out. And when I was 16, I had to go to the betting shop and put money on you know, and I found it really hard because I was, you know, a self-righteous person. Well, I think self-righteousness is one of Jonah's problems. He felt that God should let the Ninevites die, okay? But God is merciful. God is a God of the second chance. So many of us in our lives, we know God has given us so many second chances. Jonah doesn't want God to do that, but God is gracious. God is kind. God is compassionate. God is loving. Jonah doesn't want um, God to let them off the hook. It, they deserve, you know, as I said, don't, don't do it. Don't let them off. You, you, you destroy them, okay? Um, and in the end, Phil will talk about this next week, he's angry with God, and that's part of the problem. And that's why he gets on that boat at Joppa, and that's why he's running away from the will of God. He's angry with God. Okay, next one. God rescues Jonah. Interestingly, David Pawson, I respect him, I've heard a lot of his ministry over the years and read his books, but he saw this DVD where a, a whale actually had a dolphin in its mouth for a number of days and he suddenly realised that, because he knew somebody who was working with dolphins in, in California in his church, uh, you, you can do that. It's impossible for someone to live inside of the, the mouth of a whale. And he, he was very convinced, David 
reports and this is a true story, but he did think that he may have died and entered, you know, down into the ocean's bottom. And it's the whole thing of Jesus, you think, you know, the whale comes and he takes him from the very depths and he brings him onto the shore and he's revived and he's resurrected and he's there ready because God's got an assignment for Jonah. He's not going to let him off. He wants him to preach to Nineveh, to the Ninevites, because his heart is for Nineveh. He wants them to repent. Wow. Quite a, you know, it's a powerful story. I believe that. And just to, as I sort of give you hope, I'm just about to sort of finish here. This is the, the verse, and this is a, such a powerful verse. Matthew 12, the sign of Jonah, verse 39, 41. Um, they talked to asking Jesus about miraculous signs, and this is what he said. A wicked and adulterous generation asks for a miraculous sign, but none will be given except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days, three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up at judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they, and this is the word, they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And now one greater than Jonah is here. I find that incredible. Incredible verses. The parallel with the story of Jonah and the story of Jesus. It's a powerful story. So let me go over my points. You can tell I'm, you know, the preacher with all the points. Number one, God calls Jonah. Number two, God pursues Jonah. Number three, God is in control. Number four, God is love and compassionate and gracious. Five, God provides a way of escape. And six, God rescues Jonah. And somehow the will of God is the issue and the subject of my talk. There's the will of God. There's the purposes of God. And my heart is that we continue to do the will of God. The will of God might be that we go and knock on our neighbor's door and ask them to come to a meeting or come for a coffee and talk to them. The will of God might be to go across the road or somebody at work or somebody in the sphere is the will of God. Jonah had to face a barbaric race and he gave it what for? And they repented. Maybe God is asking us to move out of our comfort zones and to, to tell people about Jesus. That might, that's maybe the will of God. It may be to help the poor and the hungry and the downtrodden. It may be to, you know, as I have got non-Christian um, family, it's so often it's so difficult going down there and being the only Christian there. Mind you, there's Sarah and my kids now, so it's a bit easier. So, But I'm just going to pray now about us being in the will of God, in the purposes of God, in God's plan for our lives. Because this, I believe, is what the story of Jonah is ultimately about. Let's just pray. Lord, I'm grateful for one of the most powerful stories in the Bible. It's so powerful, Lord, and I totally believe it to be true, that you were there for Jonah, Lord, when he was in the very depths, and then you brought him back to the very heights. And I pray that's the same for us, Lord. I pray for each person here that will continue to live in the will of God and in the purposes of God and in the plan 
that you have for our lives, the very perfect plan, and that we would maybe go and tell people, that very difficult people about you, or maybe it's something else you're asking us to do, that we'll be obedient to you, and we won't fight you, because in the end, you're going to win anyway. So I just thank you for this time together and this opportunity to speak, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening, everyone.